Hey everyone, welcome to Biased, an Arizona basketball podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Garrett, here with my co-host, Ed Bardo. And I have to say, welcome everybody on our inaugural, inaugural, that's a great word to say, inaugural podcast talking about college basketball and specifically our biased look at Arizona basketball in, in general. But first of all, I want to just say, yes, of course, this is for fans of Arizona basketball and Pac-12 basketball, but if you're a basketball fan at all, a college basketball fan who just loves the sport, this is going to be an interesting podcast for you because you're going to have a chance to listen to us talk and rave about it, and I'm sure some way or another for your team, if you can just substitute in your team, your league, you can relate to what we're talking about here, so listen to us talk and see what you think. All right, so Arizona just got done defeating Utah, the Utah Utes, 88-62 to at home. Uh, this was dubbed a revenge game. So Arizona is now 3-0 and against their revenge opponents, who they have lost to earlier in the season. Uh, Ed, before we get started, I just wanted to ask you a, a quick, quick question, um, and that is, are you super modulated and ready to explode? Oh, I could not be more super modulated and ready to explode. <laughs> How great was Bill Walton tonight? He was on fire. The more he talked, the better he... Come on, who else would sit there and say on a live broadcast to his fellow employer, Joe Lunardi is a troll who has no respect for the Conference of Champions? No respect and no consideration for no the consider- Conference of Champions. Wow. Yeah. That was classic. I couldn't believe he said that on the broadcast. <laughs> I absolutely love Bill. Some people don't like him that much. So, you know, he's kind of, you got to build that taste up for Bill. But I love him. I love Roxy Bernstein. I also like Dave Pash, obviously. But uh, no, Bill was on fire. He was in rare form tonight. I like it. There's a, there's a dynamic there. If you're the type who likes watching, you know, straight straight line, just people talking and, and, and analyzing the game. Okay, fair enough. There's plenty of that to go around. But if you want a little bit of pizzazz to your, uh, to your uh, casting, bring Bill on, and particularly if he has Roxy or he has Dave Fash, they've got such a dynamic that you got to enjoy it. So we, we, got him in, we, we got him in great form, rare form tonight. Absolutely. So, Ed, what are your thoughts on the game that we just watched? What do you think? I'd say that uh, you want to talk about a bounce-back game. Boy. Did we ever come back? That was just a marvelous showing by the Cats all around. Wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you agree? I would. I would. I thought they started off really strong. You know, when, in that first game, you could tell that there was kind of a hangover from the Maui Invitational. You know, they won three games in three days. They were, in, you know, on Hawaii. They were just having a blast. Really enjoyed their time out there. And then they came back and they thought, you know what? We're going to steamroll Utah. This thing's easy. We got this. And then guess what? Utah came to play and uh, whooped them, you know, at home. So it was a, a wake-up call for Arizona. They got it pretty early on. It's also kind of interesting with the way the uh, Pac-12 schedule works itself out because they played Utah pretty early on, even before our non-conference was over. Um, that's just to squeeze all those games in. Uh, but it was nice to see Arizona come out strong and say, you know what, we're not going to let you guys do that to us again, especially at McHale. And you have to say, come on, this is a testament to coaching. So we all know Tommy Lloyd, coach of the year, national coach of the year last year. Certainly an amazing first year, uh, first year uh, performance by any coach in history in what he did. But, you know, what, how do you respond to that? So you come in, you go into the uh, Maui Invitational. Just think of that. You're king of the world. You just won that thing. It's amazing. You know, everybody was looking at us saying, come on, you lost three NBA draft picks. No way. 
no way do you go in with this loaded Maui Invitational field and do you win that thing. And yet we do. Arizona goes in there and wins it and quite convincingly. Okay. And so even to this day, those wins in that Maui Invitational resonate. Then you go walking into Utah and you get drubbed. 15 point loss in Utah to get, you know, to have your feet land squarely on earth. So what is, what do we do? What, what can we expect tonight when we have to face Utah again, a chance for that revenge game? Amazing adaptation, amazing preparedness, amazing performance. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would. I would say that some of the keys I took away there, you know, that Utah game at Utah, Arizona shot poorly from the three point line. Uh, you know, the last I remember Kerr being at Utah, he drilled seven three pointers, made his first career triple double. I'm thinking, you know, all right, let's bring that same curve back to Utah. Uh, we did not get that in that first meetup. Um, obviously, this game went totally differently for Kerr. Uh, he had a, a wonderful game. Um, to note, uh, the three-point field goal percentage was 50%. We shot nine for 18 from three-point land. So I thought that was absolutely outstanding. Uh, our field goal percentage overall was 57% to Utah's 32%. Uh, so we'll talk about the defense a little bit later. Um, but is there anything else that jumps out at you statistic-wise? Yeah, actually, I think this would be a good place to uh, to kind of sit back and say, you know, you and I talked before this game started, and we kind of started talking about what the keys of the game might be. So you and I wanted to kind of document up front what we were thinking uh, would be keys to defining how this game would go, given the past performance, given what happened in that last game, and also given what happened in the game we lost, just lost in, in Stanford. So why don't you outline your points there and, t- and tell me what you think, how we did against those. Yeah, so my keys to the game were Umar Balo has to match Carlson in points and rebounds. Now, before we go any further, Brandon Carlson is a stud. That guy is absolutely fantastic. He's awesome. Um, let me get to his stats here. He shot Six for 13 from the field, had 19 points, three rebounds. He was four for four from the free throw line, three for eight from the three-point field goals, Uh, one assist, one foul, 31 minutes, three turnovers. He was absolutely on fire, especially in that second half. Yeah, where Uh, you see a big guy shoot like that from the outside. So so here's what I was thinking. Um, I was going to see if I can draw a comparison here. Who does he remind you of? If If you're thinking of Arizona players, who does Brandon Carlson remind you? He of? reminds me a little of Laurie Markkinen. Hundred percent. That's exactly who <laughs> I was thinking of. He's got that same style, that same flow. He's a really big guy that can step out and shoot the three. Uh, in the paint, he's just dominant because of his size and his length. Uh, I, I just thought he played really well tonight. He he did he did. And if if uh, if it wasn't for the double team at the beginning, he could have easily broken out a lot sooner in that game. No doubt about that. Hundred percent. So going back to the points, um, Umar Balo did okay. He had eight points. He shot four for six from the field, and he had seven boards. So he did better on the rebounding. Uh, he, you know, he had eight points, and you know, Carlson had nineteen. So I think he did okay for for what I was tasking him to do. Uh, I'm not too disappointed in Umar Balo's performance there for my first key of the game. Uh, my second key was the guards need to shoot the three ball better than they did in the first meetup. So. Looking at what they did tonight, uh, let's see. We got Courtney Ramey was three for six from three. Kirk Creaso was four for four. Unfortunately, Azulis Tubelis, who did make one three last game, our uh, last meetup with Utah, was 0 for three from three. Uh, Kylan Boswell was 0 for one. 
Pebble Larson was 0 for 1. Uh, but overall, I'm happy. Henry Vitar was 1 for 1. So 100% there. <laughs> that was amazing. And uh, Seth Henderson was also 1 for 1 from 3. So uh, overall, we were 9 for 18, 50%. I am 100% happy with that performance from the three-point line. And I think if we continue to shoot like that, uh, we're going to be a really tough time, or a really tough team to beat because everyone's going to focus on Tubelis and Baldo. So if our guards can step up, play the game like they did tonight, uh, it's just going to come really easy for Arizona. I, I think so too. So if I look look at my keys to the game that I, I uh, wrote down before the game started, my first one is even the three. We don't have to shoot lights out on the three ball. We just need to prevent that from being what decides the game. My target was to hold Utah below 35% or less on threes. Well, how'd it turn out? Well, I'd have to say it turned out quite well. They shot 33.3% from the, so they shot, you know, 33% from the three-point line. They make 11 of them, but we shoot 50%, nine of 18. So evens out pretty much, okay? So that takes the three out of play, just as, as we hoped it might. Point number two, control the paint, control the paint. How do you think we did? Well, 38 points in the paint versus 10. Do you think that we controlled the paint? <laughs> Holy cow. So I had marked points in the paint and rebounds as your way of knowing whether or not uh, whether or not we uh, were, did okay. We kind of evened out on rebounds. They did a little bit they did a little better on offensive eight to three, but we did uh, better a little bit better on overall defensive rebounds with 35 to 34. So I mean it, it, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty clear. I think the points of the paint at 38 to 10 makes the, makes it very clear that that did indeed happen, right? And mm-hmm. then my final key point, which again is a striking statistic when you look at the end of the game, was come on, let's keep the turnovers under 15. We've had some games where we really just couldn't handle the ball, and we saw how that end of that UCLA game went where it got a little bit sketchy because of the ball handling. So in this particular case, not a problem, not a problem. Six turnovers. Six. That's it. Whole game. Six turnovers versus 12 from Utah. I think we sit there and certainly uh, took advantage of that. So I was very, very pleased to see that uh, that uh, we did well at all of the key points. Well, and to be honest, Arizona had three turnovers for most of the game. Three of those turnovers were late with the uh, the bench players coming in. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very happy with our turnover margin. And, you know, Kerr did a great job tonight. Uh, usually we blame him. We're on him so much because he makes those passes. And it's, you know he knows that he can't feed the ball into, you know, Tubelis or Balo when there's three guys around him and he's throwing it at their ankles. Um, but he still makes those passes sometimes. And you just wonder, you know, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Now, to give Kerr credit, he is the assist leader in the Pac-12. And he's doing a wonderful job passing uh, in regards to getting those assists but he still makes some turnovers that make you shake your head. Absolutely. And yet you have to, I'd say that one of the ways you can really tell, and I think, uh, I think it was uh, Bill Walton who mentioned it, either Bill or Roxy mentioned it. They said, you know, he's not doing, he's so razor focused today. I mean, he was so laser focused on, uh, on the game that he wasn't doing the usual antics he does after making a shot. He was much more restrained. He was much more focused. So when you looked at his passing, you, you remember just in previous games, there was a lot of really risky passing where the in, passing to the inside and stuff results in a pass to the opponent. This time it was almost none of that. It was just amazing to see how that cleaned up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two things I also want to talk about here is uh, our transition. You know, this felt like the first time in a really long time that we actually got several transition buckets. 
Uh, we ended up getting 18 fast break points to Utah's five. Uh, and it felt like it. It felt like, you know, Kylan Boswell, props to him for getting rebounds and pushing as fast as he could. Courtney Ramey was in there. You know, I've been harping on this, obviously, obviously off air um, to you, that our guards need to do a better job rebounding. If we can't rebound the ball, we're not going to be able to get out on that fast break transition. you got to start with rebounding, then you go run on your fast breaks. And tonight, it just felt like everything was flowing in that department, and it doesn't feel like it has been for quite a while. So I was really happy with our fast break points. Another thing I was really pleased to see, too, is you notice that 10 to 15 foot jumper came into play a lot today. You know, that was that was my second point. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing to see how many times it what it, you know I, I'd say I, looking back at the statistics on the games that we lost. Okay, one of the things that's three out of the four games, the the one statistic that truly stands out is the shameless attempt to throw threes up there and and see if we could get any of them to stick, and, not, and none of them appeared to do it during those three out of those four games. The only difference was the Oregon game, which had a variety of other things that went wrong. But in the three of the games, the three-point statistic was crazy. And one of the things that was apparent is we either felt that we had to get it on the inside or we felt we had to shoot it from the three, and no one took advantage of that in-between zone. Tonight, that was happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was my second point is that that free throw line jumper and just to see Kerr get in there and, you know, um, Boswell get in there, said got in there Tubella started to heat up from that free throw line jumper. Uh, it just felt good to see those guys hit those jumpers from that location, because like you said, last game when we were playing Stanford, we jacked 35 threes, you know, in the first meeting with Utah, we jacked 28 um tonight we jack 18 threes and it's actually this game started off that way this game started off with us jacking a couple threes and i'm sitting there going guys did we not learn from last game <laughs> you, we, we had the nice thing too is we had such an amazing uh distribution of uh, of points of, of, amongst the team yeah kirk crease had 17 but you had Tubelis just in the minutes he was able to play, able to rack up 11. You have Ballo getting eight. You have uh, Henderson getting another nine in there. You get uh, Ramsey getting 13. You get some bench points and face are getting seven, including that what? Yes, indeed, folks. He made a three. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. And even uh, Philip Borovichinen got two points in there. You know, so it's nice to see that our bench guys got some playing time. Um, Luke Kristoviak got two points. That's uh, Larry Kristoviak's son from Utah. He was the uh, Utah coach. So it's fun to have him get some points against his dad's uh, old team. Oh, oh, well, I have to speak to that now. Now that I will bring this up on the podcast, one of the best parts of the game was the post-game interview with Kirk Kreese. So uh, when they were at, they asked him, what was the best, you know, what was best in that game? What did we do right? And he goes, the best part was Luke Kristoviak. He, he says, Utah screwed over his family, so he get to take revenge, and he gets to get back at him tonight. <laughs> that's that's prime Kerr right there. <laughs> so, so his answer to his answer to what was best in the game was Luke being able to have a chance to do that. So, uh, yeah, nothing like saying that Utah screwed over his family. <laughs> so, uh, so who got kicked harder, Utah or the ball that Tubella sent into the tenth row? I'm gonna still call that the ball. There, it was pretty much. That was a kick that knocked Tubelis out of the out of the court for a whole half. <laughs> I had a a buddy text me and tell me that uh, Tubelis should try out for football, and I said, "Yeah, he'd be better than Zendejas." <laughs> yeah, that it's it's, but that that's a low bar. But I'm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, and then the last thing I kind of really want to talk about is, is our defense. I thought the defense played really well. I, I continue to harp on you about this um, as far as a positive that Pella Larson continues to lock down his defender or the guy that he's defending. And it's just amazing what he's been able to do, especially off the bench. I'm really impressed with his attitude. You know, he's really taken one for the team, but I think he knows that he's so much better off the bench. Um, but defensively, we felt, it just felt like we locked everyone down tonight. Uh, let's go back to the field goal percentage. Utah shot 32% from the field, 33% from three point. So I, I just feel like we did a really nice job tonight defensively. Oh, we did an amazing job. And one of the things too, that was interesting is how the, one of the things I've always been impressed with is, is the help defense and then our ability to react and get back out on the perimeter fairly quickly. Even as we do a switching defense and you see, for example, if like Brendan Carlson gets a guy who's a lot smaller on him after a screen, you think he just takes them really quick, but Arizona just so rapidly, I was watching as we were sitting there switching off and they were moving around, trying to get an, uh, trying to get a good matchup Arizona did such a good job bringing the help in and stuff to prevent them from being able to really take advantage of that I mean that was that was just amazing to watch and uh, I think when you play really good defense and you force a team to struggle like that to shoot that uh, get an open shot it also starts to charge you up on offense because then you get the opportunities either through the rebound or a turnover you take it on down and you score absolutely and to Arizona's credit again tonight um they do what they normally do. They had 26 assists. So 26 assists on 37 field goals. Uh, it's pretty impressive. They've done that ever since Tommy Lloyd got to Arizona. And uh, even with Sean Miller, they were doing that. So I'm really impressed that Arizona is continuing to share the rock. Uh, if you go up and down the line, the scoring was was very balanced. You didn't have anyone with, you know, 20 points. Uh, Kirk Risa was the leading scorer tonight with 17. Tubelas had 11. Ramey had 13. Pella Larson had 11. Boswell and Ballo each had eight. Henderson had nine. Visar had seven. Um, so it's just really nice to see a well-balanced game. You know, everyone's getting points. Everyone's defending hard. You know, we had quite a few blocks in that game. Uh, Pella Larson had a couple blocks. So it's just really nice to see our defense picking it up and uh, balanced scoring all across the board. Yeah, and I think I think it's a tribute to our team that uh, no one's got such a big ego that they have to feel that uh, they have to take, they necessarily have to take it over and they make foolish moves. So when Tabellis comes back in, the frustration of sitting out plus the game he had against Stanford where he only gets four, you might have thought he might have come in and tried too hard. But no, he was calmly dishing the ball off and, and passing it, and he, was, he, he, he wasn't just trying to force his game, and so he calmly puts up 11 and 9. Not a bad situation, wouldn't you agree? I, I would totally agree. Um, just to give a, a quick scoring update uh, in the middle of the podcast here, uh, currently UCLA is losing to Stanford 54-53 to with 8.20 left. So we're going to keep our eye on that game. Again, Stanford is beating UCLA at Poly Pavilion. Dude, are you reading my freaking mind, dude? I literally had that score up and ready to talk about it as you said that. <laughs> I, I'm, I am rooting for Stanford. Well, I, I Folks, I want have to understand that uh, that the w- reason why Ricky and I decided we need to do this is because we can't help but think alike, and we constantly, constantly uh, come up with ideas when we're talking about basketball or other things that almost seems that we're pulling it out of the other person's head before they can say it. Absolutely. I'm just excited because I want Arizona to still have a chance to win the conference. I know it looks a little bleak right now, and we need some help from some of these other teams. Uh, and if Stanford can pull off this win, it would be a big upset for UCLA Stanford's on a roll right now in their last eight games they're six and two 
They're shooting 40% from three. It's just amazing what they've done the last Stanford, Where was this Stanford team at the beginning of the season? They, this just, they, there was a lot of thought that Stanford might be, you know, might start putting it together for this season. And now they're starting to show potential. But where was that at the beginning of the season? I wonder. Absolutely. Coach is asking the same thing, I'm sure. <laughs> he, yeah, knew, he knew sure. it was in them. And so for the for Pac-12 fans, of course, even for those of you who are Pac-12 fans or not, the reason why this game matters is because Arizona, it, there's a, a dogfight at the top of the Pac-12 to see who's going to be the Pac-12 regular season champion. And UCLA currently leads by a game and a half with Arizona in second place. So every game matters because we're at the end of the se- getting towards the end of the season here. So the number of games to make a difference are starting to really dwindle down. Absolutely. And then the, the other score I wanted to talk about was obviously the big game of the night uh, besides Arizona, which was Purdue, Maryland. And Purdue did go down at Maryland 68 to 54. Uh, so that's important to watch. Uh, Purdue's still going to be a one seed for now, uh, but they are kind of on a little bit of a streak here of losing some games here. Oh, that was that was stunning to see that result. I was so totally surprised. Purdue just seemed like they were going to walk through the rest of the season and into a number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And recently, they've been stumbling a little bit. I have to say, I mean, the teams they're losing to aren't bad teams by any stretch, but it's just. We, we all know that the way it works in the basketball season and, it, and I guess in football as well is that you just don't want to be doing your loss, having losses towards the end of the season. That's not the place you want them because that's when the real focus on your resume starts forming and losses towards the end can really have an impact on your seating and really have an impact on your confidence going into conference tournament play and then to the NCAA tournament. You bet. And so coming up, we got Colorado on Saturday. Uh, Colorado just beat Arizona State tonight. So look forward to playing Tad Boyle in the Buffs. Uh, they always seem to bring it. It's always a tough game with Colorado. Uh, and uh, then for the rest of the season, we've got ASU and then USC and UCLA. So we got some big-time games coming up still. Uh, looking forward to watching what Arizona does with Colorado. I know it's uh, one game at a time, so they'll celebrate this one for a little bit. And then they will focus on Colorado starting tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm very curious as which Colorado team's going to show up. I guess my first awakening that Colorado might have some potential was uh, when they beat Tennessee, which was a, a real surprise to see. But then Colorado goes and loses to some, <laughs> to some easy teams right afterwards, and so you, they seemed very bipolar in their play. But uh, we know we know from history that Colorado could be a tough uh, could be a tough opponent no matter what. I mean, we've had some classic games even in McHale with the, with them. Yeah, it seems like no matter what team Tab Boyle has and whatever the record is, they always bring it against Arizona. And that seems to be the theme this year with all these teams. You know, Oregon's not really that great of a team. Um, They may or may not make the tournament. They're kind of sitting on the bubble right now. Stanford's not that great of a team. But, you know, they're picking it up as of late. Uh, Washington State, not that great of a team. And Utah, they are playing well. But still, all these kind of low-end teams are really picking it up against Arizona. And so it's kind of frustrating because – you think Arizona's got an easier game coming up, but no, everybody brings their A game against Arizona. They certainly do. They certainly do. And for Colorado to kind of uh, quantify the inconsistency of Colorado, let's look at a few games here. So uh, on November 11th, they lose to Grambling. Yes, Grambling. You probably didn't even know they had a basketball program. But then they go and beat, num- at that time, number 11, Tennessee. We've all heard of that team, I think. Mm-hmm. Then they go immediately and lose to UMass another unranked team, and then they go and win against, at that time, number 24, Texas A&M, 
And then they go and lo- lose to Boise State, who, yes, besides football, does have a basketball program. And so <laughs> what can you expect from this team? <laughs> well, and I feel like that's just college basketball all around this year. This is such an interesting year because there's no heavy favorite. I mean, you look at Duke and North Carolina being on the bubble. And uh, Kentucky. And Kentucky, yeah. It's just a weird year where there is no clear favorite. Even Purdue is showing that they can have some chinks in their armor and that they're not perfect. Uh, you know, Houston still looks scary. Alabama still looks scary. Uh, but to be honest, you know, anybody can be, be beaten by any of these other teams. And so it's going to be really exciting come March Madness and come, you know, conference tournament time. No, absolutely. And once March Madness starts, everybody gets a redo and it's all game by game. One of the things, the, the statistic you and I talked about earlier and that we shared that really kind of showed you how weird the season is, is top 15s are 65, uh, 65 wins, 61 losses, a point, uh, 51.6% uh, win ratio on the road this season, which is the second lowest in a season in AP poll, in the AP poll era. That wow. just shows you what a crazy season it's been. And I think we've all felt it. It doesn't matter which team you're a fan of. You've just felt the uncertainty and the strangeness of how anybody could go down on any given night. The ups and downs of college basketball. It's why I love it. It's like if you want the Mecca sports, it's here. Yeah, you can have an exciting uh, last-minute win in a football game. You can have a, a la- you can have somebody hit a home run and wrap up a game that's in extra innings. But where do you have a sport that you can sit there and have buzzer beaters ten times in one championship tournament? That's college basketball, baby. Boom. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. College basketball. (laughs) That's absolutely right. Well, Ed, do you have anything else before we sign off for tonight? All I have to say is, everybody, let's bear down and get ready for Colorado. And uh, and for all of you college basketball fans, please enjoy this time. Before you know it, it's going to be March. We're going to be in tournament filling out our brackets. And and then we'll have that nice lull that is summer where there's no basketball and we're all going cold turkey, suffering, saying, where's the sports? (laughs) <laughs> and okay. they, it comes that's fast a dig, that's a dig at you baseball fans <laughs> well all i have to say is bear down and go cats uh, again this is ricky garrett i'm the host of biased and arizona basketball podcast and this, and this is, is ed, oh and this is, this is ed bardo uh, an enthusiastic and crazy wildcat fan who just wants to celebrate college basketball in public all right guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you on the next one talk to you soon everyone